0: That was the news. You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and you are joined by myself, Lawson. Got Matthew in the studio, getting it done as well this morning while Danuta is away, as well as our good friend, producer Pete, just on the decks, you know... making sure we're all alive and, and running and and that you can hear us. And we are in the Breakfast Show studio this morning, and we are sharing all things positively different radio. But right now we are going to have our next quiz question.
1: Yeah, it's one of those um, one in four kind of answers, like multiple choice, this one. And it is, where was Moses buried? A, in Canaan. B, in a cave. C, in the Valley of Moab. Or D, in the desert? So I'll just read Mm. the question again. Where was Moses buried? A, in Canaan. B, in a cave. C, in the valley of Moab. Or D, in the desert?
0: Mm, if you know the answer to that one, 0491 064 669 is the number to text. And if you text with the correct answer, go into the draw to win revealing the kings of Israel, the archaeological evidence regarding the uh, the, the amazing truth of the Bible and its historicity. As well, it's a fantastic prize that we want to give to you, absolutely for free. And it's so amazing that we can use the vehicle of science, and you know, we use in in this case of the book we're giving away. It's archaeology. In the case that John Ashton just say, shared, it's in the space of biology and chemistry and whatnot. We can use these, uh, oh, well, archaeology as well because they're testing, you know, old uh, samples of bodies and whatnot. You know, to 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 extract the mitochondria information and and whatnot. It's amazing that we can use these to ultimately prove what the Bible is saying to be true, and not through a, a, a lens that is tinted towards the Bible, but through a, oh, hey we're We're losing genetic information like that is the that is the outcome of the empirical data and whatnot, actually, just before I get into that. I just want to share the number one more time it's zero four nine one zero six four six six nine that is the number to text if you know the answer to our quiz question and guys, like let us know your thoughts. We've actually got a text coming in from James where he writes, so I guess that Dr. John and his subject today don't have a, 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 a chance at all. Of getting on to the ABC science show. And like, I, I imagine not because it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's information and it's a conclusion that is against the status quo of science. Actually, speaking of that. Uh now my our area actually I was about say my area, but our area we are scholars or attempting to become scholars in in the in the area of theology, right so we're both currently engaged in our bachelor's degree in theology at Avondale University, and I was recently writing a paper and it was about the topic of theodicy, which for those who don't know theodicy, the definition of theodicy is ultimately an argument that defends God. Yep. Or and in the the, the etymological uh, origin of that is like theos, God, and then like a DK which is like justice. You know what? It's a defending the the justice and the righteousness of God. And the whole idea behind theodicy is: Why does evil exist if God is good and all powerful? Like if God is omnipotent, all-powerful, you know, this amazing creator, then why does evil exist? He can stop it. That's right. Well, if he could stop it, then why doesn't he? You know, if he's all-powerful and that kind of thing. And there's a number of different answers to that argument. There's, you know, the Augustinian theodicy and the free will theodicy and and whatnot. There's a number of different ones. But one of them is called, well, its, it's original name is the Irenaean Theodicy, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. Irony in that theodicy. I wrote a paper about a number of these different theodicies or these models that uh, people have come up with to defend God and the, you know, to justify God's existence and the existence of evil at the same time. Now, this theodicy comes all the way back from like the second century A.D. Like this is, this is, uh, we're talking about the, like Irenaeus himself is like an early, early, early Christian father. And he essentially says that the way that we should view the creative order and we should view sin is that humanity was not created perfect. And he essentially says humanity was not created perfect. And the reason sin exists is because it actually helps us to become better as mm-hmm. as people now the likes of say augustine would heavily disagree with this like for augustine he says no 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 no. like we have fallen to the state of sin augustine i think takes it to an even further step where he advocates for original sin and then furthermore predestination and like a, f- a few other interesting takes that, that Augustine would come to have particularly after the, the Pelagian controversy into his like, through his anti-Pelagian writings. But this guy, Irenaeus, he's like, yeah, so we haven't been created perfect. And because, like, we have, we have been created in a sense good because that's what the Bible says, but he says we haven't been created perfect. And so as a result, we actually need to go through the experience of sin, uh, to be able to learn how to, you know, understand the perfection and the righteousness of God. And while I would definitely say that the experience of sin and God's response to it reflects his righteousness and goodness, to say that we weren't created Perfectly, in the sense that I, I get like there is things to be agreed with with some of the tenets of these different ideas of the Odyssey. Like, yeah, we were created perfect, but we weren't created like like when Adam and Eve were created, there was plenty of things for them to develop in and grow and learn and understand. But to say that, oh, God wanted sin to happen so that they would learn how to be, you know, more like Him. Is I, I think is a total false equivalency there. Oh. And it, what it does is that, that it makes God out to be actually okay with sin yeah, rather than rather than die, uh, diametrically opposed to it mm-hmm. and also responsible for its advent and inception. And people have actually used that in the, in the most uh, recent of which, uh, well, the, kind of the pioneer, the, the most prolific of which is a guy named John Hick back in 1966, which people have used since then as well. Uh, he basically said, Oh, this the Odyssey makes a lot of sense to me. And because of this, we can justify theistic evolution because, and, and his whole deal was like, it's obvious. That evolution is true scientifically, and we now have a system, a, a theological system where we can justify, um, evolution being true because ultimately, like, sin and death and the process of evolution and whatnot all just falls under the, the, in, in, into the, into the category, into the bin of God used all of these things that seem evil to actually make us better. And to that, I would say no, like that's, 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 it's again, like. It's it, counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive it ultimately makes the Bible a liar Uh, and you play that game of what's mythology and what's not mythology. Obviously there are parts of the Bible that are not literal, but that's because the Bible says they're not literal, right? Like, it's like, ah, this is a prophetic dream. Like there are different biblical genres. We're not, we're not trying to say that, that, uh, oh, everything in the Bible is literal in the sense that, you know, the poetry is literal or the, the uh, the, 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 well, the parts of the Bible that are written as an allegory, are not allegories, but then at the same time, all metaphorical, but but at the same time, the Bible says that they are. Yes, We don't need to play the game of, the Bible says that this is a historical account, yet we're going to disbelieve it for the sake of justifying uh you know the, the well justifying the 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 truth of evolution because as john ashton is sharing there is just simply no amount of conclusive evidence that can bring you to a point where you can even say that evolution is 100% true and the outcome of believing evolution is that well if you're not a christian this world is just, you know, exists by a happenstance and nothing really matters and you should just fight to survive. Survival of the fittest. You should live a life that is totally selfish. Uh, you should live, your ethical compass should be that of egotism and revolves around self and just better serve self. And if you're a Christian, well, then actually God just uses a whole ton of evil things to be able to create us and make us better, therefore justifying evil. And that's ultimately that's ultimately why. What RNA in theodicy does now. Obviously, for RNA, it's like he wasn't evolutionist because that didn't exist until years and years and years and years and years. In fact, thousands of years later, in terms of Darwinian evolution. Uh, but this idea that oh, like we need sin or we need evolution, we don't. We don't need to justify these things in their existence, particularly because we can see that scientifically, more and more information is pointing to them being incorrect. Uh, but furthermore, <laughs> we can just stand on the biblical truth let's 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 be confident in what the word says.
1: You're listening to the breakfast channel.
0: Connect with us on 0491 064 six four double six nine. Sorry to rant a little bit there, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that I've been exposed to a little bit. Again, looking in the, in the theological sense and in the theological circles, I'm like, man, why are these really smart scholars who are really well-read? and really, you know, really experienced in this field. What, why are they doing this? Why? I'm like, just, guys, let's just submit to the fact that God loves us, he cares for us, he's given everything for us, and furthermore, his
1: word is true. I think you hit on the nail, um, Lawson, it's about submitting. Mm. Some folk don't like the idea of letting someone else be in control, wow. which requires you to submit. They'd mm. rather submit to themselves thinking they can do a better job.
0: Wow. You know what, Matthew? That is a perfect segue into our Bible study this morning. Absolutely. We're going to pick it up in Jonah chapter 4. We've been going through the book of Jonah this week. I'm loving the book of Jonah so far that we can cover the whole thing in a week because Jonah is incredibly concise as a book. Like four chapters, it's like, hey, there's this guy. He's named Jonah. He's a prophet. He was told to go to Tarshish. He said no. Well, he was told to actually go to Nineveh. He said, no, I'm going to go to Tarshish instead and run away from you. I'm going to go to Spain instead of Assyria because I don't want to do the work of the Lord. And ultimately, he is then caught by the Lord. You know, his, he he jumps into the sea. God rescues him using the, the belly of a whale. He ends up in Nineveh, walks into Nineveh. Where we got to yesterday is that he walks up to the king of Nineveh in the city, says, hey, the whole city should repent. And the response of every single person in the city is, we agree, and therefore we are going to put on sackcloth and ashes and fast for forgiveness and repentance to your God. Which is just... Uh, incredible. Like, again, we're talking about Assyria, one of the military powerhouses of the ancient Near East at the time, a nation who had been warring against Israel and at times winning, at times losing, you know, they would have been a little bit confused that how is this micronation putting up such a great fight against us? And it was actually Jonah who was working as a prophet receiving messages from the Lord to enable the military success of, of Israel against the invading Assyrians which would ultimately fail the Assyrians would take the northern kingdoms of Israel because of Israel's unfaithfulness but this prophet Jonah walks into Nineveh and says guys repent and they do and they they like they go into full fasting, sackcloth, and ashes mode to spare themselves from the judgment of God. And we talked about a little bit the historical context of that. We talked about how they would have been convinced by his message because he... Got out of the belly of a fish. Nineveh was a port city. Their, you know, pagan god that they all worshipped was Dagon, the fish god. And so there was lots of, you know, kind of moving parts to the situation, but ultimately led to the circumstance in which Jonah proclaims a message of repentance and judgment. They all respond by saying yes. Hey, do you want to pick it up for us in chapter four? Let's read the first two verses. Jonah chapter 4. We're going to read verse 1 and 2 and get some interesting insights from this passage, particularly because as we've been reading the book of Jonah, you know, the most reluctant prophet that there ever was, we've been seeing all the excuses that he attempted to use to justify him not being able to participate in God's mission. And we see that God... You know, very much supplied for every single one of his needs for him to be able to do his mission. So, hey, do you want to pick it up in verse four? Let's read verse, sorry, chapter four, verse one and two.
1: Gladly. And it says this, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm.
0: That is... Uh, do you want to read verse 3 as well? Yep, clearly.
1: Therefore now, O oh Lord, just please take my life from me, for it is better that for me to die than to live. This is
0: hectic this is insane this is like we see Jonah here I I really love the Bible because we see Jonah as such a conflicted person which I think is just so realistic for his situation Jonah has seen the complete repentance of the city of Nineveh the capital of Assyria again this ancient pagan force that was standing in stark contrast to God. He walks in there, says, 40 days and you'll be destroyed. They all repent. God turns from his judgment against them. And he turns to God and says, God, you're so loving and amazing and gracious and merciful. I
1: hate you. And I want to die. Can I throw a a case? Sure,
0: absolutely. Help us understand what's going on here.
1: Okay, the story of the prodigal son. Yeah, sure. Remember he left home, went into the world, spent his inheritance. He comes back so sorrowful that he's willing to be a servant, Mm. even less than a servant, um, just to be used lower than a hired hand. And what happens later on? There's another sibling in the family, the brother. Mm. Do you remember how his reaction was,
0: Oh, not pleased. Actually, like the brother comes back. Uh, well, the prodigal son comes back, and the brother's response is like, "Hey, like, why is he allowed to come back?
1: And why are you throwing a feast for him?" You see any parallels between this and how the Ninevites turned around?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the biggest thing in the in the story of the prodigal son the issue that the son has is, like, these guys, like, your other son, he he wasted his inheritance on prodigal living and and unrighteousness, and now you're accepting him back and, and throwing a feast for him and using one of the fatted calves for him. Like, he did all these bad things, and now you're showing him good. Like, how dare you, dad? And then the dad's like, hey, what's wrong with you? Like... You're good. Like I love you too. Like I would give you anything you want.
1: Do you know you sound like Jonah?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And How, and how dare you, dad?
0: That, well, this is this is where Jonah's at. And he's like, "God, these people are awful." Why would you save them? And and it's like and I he's like, "I love this. It's so funny. You are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm." Therefore now O oh Lord take my life from me. Yeah. Jonah is incredibly conflicted again. These are his enemies, man. Like and they've been at times the enemies of God too. Like they have stood against God, against his truth. They've done awful things. They are deeply pagan. They would have, you know, been sacrificing people and sacrificing children and doing all these terrible terrible awful, abominable things in the name of God. And then furthermore, they have been warring against and attacking Israel itself. And Joni here, he's just like, I don't want to buy this. Like, I don't want to see these people succeed. I don't want to see these people do better or have punishment, relented from them. Like, get me out of here, man. I don't want to be a part of this. Again, his hatred is in his heart is so so
1: much. So you can tell it's trauma-fueled, that hatred. Sure. So if I could ask you a question, I, I ask this question myself. Has there been anyone in your family, especially yeah. when I say family deliberately, that you know did not show you any grace and you felt it was only deserving to not show any grace to them because they hurt you so bad?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's like the the cycle of kind of redemptive violence type deal. It's, <sighs> it's like, hey, this person's been bad to me and so therefore I'm going to be bad to them. I mean, family or friends or, you know, I... I I think for me, actually, I I'm not a very angry person. I don't get very angry. I get upset about things, but I don't get very angry, and so I don't always find myself in those kinds of situations. But I mean, I need sure. your temperament. <laughs> I sure, like I, I can also I can very much resonate with that as well. Being like upset with someone and then being like, I hope bad things happen to them.
1: So imagine that person that you're really upset with in the family, right? Mm. It's just you haven't seen them for years, or when you have caught up with them, they've just got a really ch- good change of heart, and. You know, how do you take that? Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to do justice,
0: right? It, it, it's very much like <laughs> it, it's whiplash, right? Yeah. And and I feel like maybe I've potentially been in that situation where I've been someone to to wrong other people, and then you know you see them later down the line, and that reconciliation needs to take place. And but and for this case, for for Jonah, you know, in the feelings that he would have, in in a similar sense, like it'd be, it's very hard to accept people you know and trust people again after they've caused you some kind of trauma and for jonah he's like yeah these assyrians all they've done is cause us trauma like how can we accept them and and see you god accepting them when they have done so much awful and evil and wrong you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on FaithFM. Joined by myself, Singer Matthew in the studio as well. And Matthew, you are going to give to us for today our
1: final quiz question. Yes, our final quiz question is, True or false, by the breath of God, Frost is given? True or false?
0: (laughs) that is an epic question. Okay, very, I, 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 like, honestly, honestly, first hearing this, I don't know if I would, like, if I would be confident in my answer off the bat. I mean, I would, I, I have an answer in mind, but that, wow, okay. True or false, the breath of God, by the breath of God, frost, frost is, is given. Given. Hey, this is, this is an epic, epic question. If you know the answer, it's 50 50 chance, guys. Yeah, yeah, You have to write in true or false. In fact, you can just write in T or F. And that, that's enough. That's enough for us. If you if you write in the wrong answer, though, like you won't get a draw. But you've got a 50-50 chance to get into the draw. And the more questions you answer correctly, of course, the more chances you get in. But even if you have one there is still a chance, 0491 064 669. Again, that number is 0491 064 669. And if you text that number with the correct answer, go into the draw to win our amazing prize for this week, unveiling the Kings of Israel discovering the archaeological evidence for the Bible and what was happening during that time. And speaking of biblical times in which the kings of Israel were living, we come back to the book of Jonah, where Jonah is thoroughly disappointed in the loving kindness, mercy, care, and care, and grace of God. He's just like, God, why are you like this? You know, if if anything, man, like... I'm just thinking now Jonah in his perspective on God, like at this point he would rather God be fashioned in the characteristics that were pagan in a sense. Like, wait, God, like why, why are you being, why are you being loving? Why are you being just, why why don't you just be harsh and just kill everyone and, and just destroy the city and just destroy the Ninevites and destroy the Assyrians? Like, Destroy our enemies from before our face. Like, just do it. We don't like them. We, they, they've done so much evil to us. Yet, they respond to the, to the call to repent, and ultimately, they do repent, and Jonah
1: is not happy about and, it. And that's the God we serve, a God who's able to change the hearts. For instance, remember Saul, who he turned into Paul. And people, according to God, He, you know, He's always the God of looking at the big picture, and He's able to see not just who the person is for that time, mm. but what that person can become.
0: Mm. Absolutely, I, I think as well, you know, given the given the situation happening here, and Jonah's involvement and what he would actually like to see happen to these guys, I think it's just a real reflection of where Jonah's heart's at. Yeah, and and that. He needs to experience a change and the, uh, the, the change takes place in, uh, well, the attempt to change takes place over the next couple of verses. We have this fascinating story, uh, where God displays to Jonah what it is he is trying to
1: achieve. Do you want to read for us from verse four? Just keep reading through. Yeah, gladly. And it says here, so Jonah went out of the, s- Oh sorry verse 4 Then the Lord said Is it right for you to be angry? I'll read that again The Lord said Is it right for you to be angry? Mm. So Jonah went out of the city And sat on the east side of the city There he made himself a shelter And sat under it in the shade Till he might see What would become of the city And the Lord God prepared a plant And made it come up over Jonah That it might be shade for his head To deliver him from his misery So Jonah was very grateful for the plant But as morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, Okay you've had pity on the plant for which you have not laboured and you've not made it grow which came up in a night and perished in a night and should I not pity Nineveh that great city in which more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock
0: wow this is this is a incredibly, well, a very interesting passage. Lots going on here, which we can, I think, you know, quickly divide and decipher and and work through. But, you know, some interesting uh, situations. A plant grows up, covers Jonah for a little bit, and, you know, then there's a worm that shows up and eats the plant and it's no longer covering Jonah and whatnot. But the initial question that God gives to Jonah is, is it right for you to be angry? what's the answer to that one? Jonah Jonah doesn't answer it, but what's what's the answer to that what, what is what is the answer to this rhetorical question that God is
1: asking of Jonah? I love that question like for, for me looking outside like the Lord does. We're allowed to get angry I mean did not job get angry at God one time when all, all these things were happening to him but in all these things it says that job didn't curse God in this instance is it right? It, it would be right to express your emotions, but is it the ultimate place that we should stay at mentally and spiritually with God?
0: The answer is no. That's right. Like, it's, it's one of those cases of, of it's something that God, you know, especially this anger and this hatred towards this people group that is leading Jonah to say, God, for you to even save them, I hate you for it. Mm-hmm. For you to even show grace to them, I hate you. Like, I don't, I want to die. I would rather die than for these people. To experience the grace of the Lord, which is, man, just so heavily in opposite of, you know, the conclusion of a bunch of other biblical characters. You look at the likes of Moses or Paul who were like, blot me out, Lord, for the sake of my evil countrymen. Joan, on the other hand, is like, God, blot me out. So that I don't have to be here to watch you save these people. Like I, I hate this so much. Yeah. This situation then unfolds with you know, he sits outside the city. Literally, this is the pettiness of Jonah. He sits yeah. outside the city and watches it, wanting it to be destroyed. He's That's like, that
1: victim mentality.
0: That's right. And yeah. God covers him with a plant, and then this worm comes along, and the plant's no longer there. And God asks his question. He says, "Is it right for you to be angry about the plant?" Yeah. And he says, "It is right for me to be angry." Even to death. Yeah. Uh, and, and so what's happening here is well, basically Jonah is saying, it's right for me to be angry about this situation because of the way it negatively affects myself.
1: I've got a great question for you regarding that plant. Sure. Who does that plant represent?
0: Oh, okay. That's, that's that's deep, is it? Are we
1: talking about? Because he's angry at Nineveh, right? Yeah. And he's angry at the plant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing that God would go on to show him is that, it's like, are you angry at this plant? If, uh, you know, what happened to the plant? And he says, yes, because I, I could have died, you know, because of, like, oh, like because the, the plant was eaten and taken away, Like, and I'm going to get heat stroke and die in the desert.
1: Now, now watch this. The plant will shade for him. So God's saying, Did not the plant do good for you?
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, in verse 10, it says, But the Lord said, You have had pity on a plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity that great city of Nineveh? He says here, basically, God is saying, I have done a work in this area which you don't know. Jonah, you're a worker of the Lord. Jonah, you're a prophet. But the fact that this situation inconveniences you and you're not happy about it, it's got nothing to do with you. Amen. I have been Amen. doing a work in Nineveh, which you don't even understand. Like w- the plant, <laughs> like the plant. That's right. It's like so. You being angry or upset because a plant was there was or n- wasn't there, or that Nineveh repents or doesn't repent, Jonah. This isn't all about you, Jonah. This is about the salvation of these people, and it supersedes far and above what you want. This is about me giving freedom to oh, a nation. Sh- You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and man, we've come to the time, no questions. Just answers. Would you be able to get that for us, Matthew? Let's work through some of the answers for our
1: quiz today. Happily so. So fill in the blank. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Mm, So,
0: okay, obviously there We see that Jesus is is expounding on what it is that actually happened to Lazarus He he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep The disciples actually respond here The disciples are like, oh, well, if he's fallen asleep, well then let's just leave him Because he'll get better (laughs) And then the, the, the Bible says, Jesus says to them plainly Lazarus He's dead. Yes. Um, but he has fallen asleep. But Jesus goes and wakes him up. Awesome. Yes. What were the two names of the twins who wrestled in the mother's womb? It's Jacob and Esau. Man. Intense match in the in the mother's room, trying gunning for priority and, and, and birth order. But it was ultimately it was Esau that won that battle, but it was Jacob that
1: got the birthright in the end. And it had something to do with him holding his heel in the birth. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he was, he was trying to, he was trying to get out first. He he couldn't make it out of the womb it. first, but mate, he got, he got, it, he got it done with the stew it ultimately is. at the end of the day. And and playing on a man's hunger, which is which is cruel, but also like so silly, like that, he, that he gave up his birthright.
1: That's a big story in there too. But appetite compromising mm. your identity. Wow, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the next question is how many times did God call out to young Samuel in the night as he was lying down in the house of the lord mm. and it 's four times first yeah. Samuel chapter three, three to ten yeah, wow four times
0: this is like I, I love that story so much because you did a sermon on it then, right? I, yeah I, I think that simultaneously you 've got this young guy, Samuel being called to do the work of the Lord which is an amazing story, but also his circumstances are terrible. Like there is no prophet in Israel at that time. The leader of the sanctuary is Eli. Eli is like 90. He's way too old to be the high priest. His sons are like awful people who are stealing from the sanctuary and like, you know, even, even uh, participating in some level of temple prostitution and whatnot. It's just such an awful situation. And yet, despite this, Samuel is able to be called upon by the Lord. And it says after Samuel receives his calling, it says that the whole nation from Dan to Beersheba, uh, you know, the, the word had been established there. And that, that phrase actually, Dan to Beersheba, they're two places in, uh, in, in Israel, it's, and that's just uses a phrase commonly in the Bible to say from 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 the north to the south, like to from to to and from everywhere. People had come to know the word of the Lord because of a boy mm-hmm. Samuel who had responded to the call of God.
1: Hey, where was Moses buried? He was buried. So the three choices you had was A and Canaan in a cave in the Valley of Moab. That's mm. Deuteronomy chapter three verses four and six. Yeah, so that was the answer. So, deep mm. in the desert, So yeah. in the valley of Moab, that's it, where he was buried. Yeah, absolutely.
0: He doesn't make it into the promised land, um, but he he's uh, he's he's buried there, and he's in a greater prom- promised land in in heaven right now, being one of uh one of the few people who are able to to see heaven
1: before Jesus' return. What's so cool what you said, Brother Lawson, is the fact that the people of uh, Israel, he got to see them from a distance of then going into the land of Canaan, which is mm. a place of milk and honey, right? Which is a symbol of heaven. He mm. goes to the literal heaven. Yeah, so powerful. <laughs>
0: hey, and then finally here, true or false, by the, the, the breath, breath of, of God, God, frost, frost. is skewing you. That's true. It's true. And that's what the Bible says in Job 37.10. I got a text message here from Braden. He writes in, and this was, is this was regarding, we were talking about, you know, seeing seeing things through God's eyes, uh, loving people as God loved them and wanting the best for them and, and whatnot and letting him work. But we've got this text message from Brayden. He says, I have that constant battle. Um, the things my, my ex uh, has told others makes me want to defend myself and even at times retaliate. Uh, but I know it is not the way and I try to always give it over to God. I need to fear what others think of me. Um, I, I need not fear what others think of me, as God is my strength, and I think that's that's the uh, key aspect here. Is uh, yeah, man, uh, life and and uh, the the standards and the morals we're called to uphold they times are challenging because we want to we want to break them um and we we want to feel justified in in seeking vengeance but you are listening to the breakfast show here on Faith FM and you are joined by myself and Matthew and and we're we're signing out, man. We're yeah. we're heading on into the various ventures of the day. Of course, there's still incredible, amazing programming here on Faith of FM for you guys to listen to. Tazzy encounters coming up right after this. But we hope you have a fantastic day and we want to send you off onto into a fantastic day by giving you something absolutely for free this morning. Got a book, it's called A Little Book of Thankful Hearts by Andrew Puckering. Andrew. It, and this is just all about highlighting the amazing stories in the bible in which people suffered dramatic traumatically uh, you know whether it's uh you know the 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 you know the um uh, the woman caught in adultery whether it's uh well you know i i see uh, as well we have um The here described, you know, the book of Acts, chapter 16, Paul and Silas beaten and thrown in jail, all these different things who received such love and grace from God and you know despite their terrible situations all times and duress we're, were thankful yeah. for what God had done we've got this book we want to give it to you absolutely for free if you want to get into the spirit of thankfulness to what God has done you know in, in contrast to that of Jonah again our number is 0491 064 669 if you're the first to through if you text through the word book first texter through we'll give this book to you absolutely for free all you have to do is be fast zero Nine one zero six four six six nine. Remember to talk faith, live faith, and act faith today.
1: God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.